We're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the power pole. We'll do that on a Wednesday edition of Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Locked on NFL on the Wednesday. Welcome to another edition of Locked on NFL, where we are grateful that you make us your first listen, and it's your team every day. And we are also free on all platforms, wherever you get your podcast. Also, please like and subscribe to the YouTube page. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com forward slash Locked on NFL, all one word. I am with my man, Lauren Cox. James Rapine is on travel. My man, Lauren Cox, is like my brother, man. We we uh, we uh had a good time in Mobile, didn't we, at the senior <laughs> Yes, we did. <laughs> we absolutely did have a good time at the senior bowl. Of course, Lauren is, uh, he covers Locked on Bears. What we've decided to do for you guys today is, I thought about an old Clint Eastwood movie called The Good, Bad, and the Ugly. So we're going to do the good, bad, and the power rankings. How about that today? Lauren, kick us off. What has been good so far, in your opinion, about the first three weeks of the NFL? Yeah, the thing that stands out to me three weeks in is the the quarterbacks that have stepped up and led their teams to greater heights than we thought at this point. It's Tua Tungavailoa and the Miami Dolphins, and it's Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles, the two 3-0 teams that – really have taken that next level. And especially from my perspective, covering the Chicago Bears and a team with a young quarterback that was looking to try and keep that progression going forward, we've seen how great it has been when you surround a young quarterback with quality receivers, a pretty good offensive line, a defense as well to help them out, that really good things can happen. We haven't quite seen that in Chicago as much, but have been so encouraged by what we've seen from both the Dolphins and the Eagles in this process that it, it certainly gives my listeners hope that Maybe just maybe there can be that kind of thing for Justin Fields in the future with more receivers. And I know your Jacksonville Jaguars as well have seen some of that with Trevor Lawrence to this point in the season as well. We have. We we I, I love the two teams that you mentioned. So we're going to talk about both of them. We'd be remiss, though, if we didn't let everyone know that one of the reasons that this is so good and so shocking is because one of them had like the worst offseason you could imagine. They were accused of all kinds of stuff by Brian Flores. Some of it was found, at least some of it was found to be justified in the way that they handled the, the Brian Flores situation. Most people thought they fired a really, really good coach. And that's a lot to overcome. The tampering charges with Tom Brady and losing future draft picks and the owner not really looking bright and good and the GM looking bad through all of that. It just goes to show you that when you get things right on the football field, and they were sort of on the right track last year because two is like nine and nine and one or ten and one in his last ten or eleven starts, they had righted the ship already. So for them to actually play so well to the point where no one's talking about that foolishness, had they been losing right now, people would have been talking about everything that Brian Flores accused them of and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. So they've allowed what happens on the field to dictate the narrative about them off the field with Philly. They were dismissed out of the playoffs in a bad way. And I heard people were, they were ready to get Sirianni up out of there. They were still hung over from the fact that 
Doug Peterson was so good and he brought him a championship and then they ran him out of town. Nobody's talking about that now. I thought that before this game, before the season started, I thought the game that's coming up this week with Jacksonville and Philly, that Doug would get a standing ovation if he went back. Now they might boo him like they boo everybody else because they're happy with Sirianni. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be fun to see that reaction there. I mean, Philly fans are uh, a different kind of bunch there, but both teams making such big investments at wide receiver, right? The Philadelphia Eagles trading for AJ Brown, the Miami Dolphins, of course, the Tyreek Hill edition, and both have paid off with such a, a strong results early on. And I know we don't want to get carried away from, from what we've seen just through three weeks, but it really makes all the difference in the world when, when a young quarterback like that can feel supported both with, offensive head coaches that seem to be tailoring a system for their guys and really putting that type of just organizational belief behind the most important position and both both teams getting that good value at quarterback not having to invest top dollar at that position the way you know the Kansas City Chiefs and, and some of these other teams with great quarterbacks have already had to sort of give those big quarterback contracts out to these teams can pay for wide receivers can pay for really strong defenses can pay for better offensive lines and can, and, and we're already very early in the season that that financial investment around the quarterback is paying off very quickly. Another thing that's really impressive about Miami is when you look at their schedule, they open the season with Belichick and with the Patriots who, you know, are always going to be prepared coming out, uh, you know, early. If one thing they're going to do is they're going to get off to an early start. They go to Baltimore and win a circus of a game where they score 28 points in the fourth quarter. But still, it's the Ravens, and it's one of those teams that you'll see at the top of our power rankings later on. Mm -hmm. And in third, they beat the team that everyone thought was invincible in the Buffalo Bills, and they did it with stout defense. So you've seen them play three different ways, sort of a herky-jerky game against New England that they pulled out, a real wild game where they had to score like Pac-10-type, Mountain West-type points in order to win it late. Yeah. And then the third one, they won that that other game. They won a game in a phone booth. And uh, that shows you that they will figure out how to win any sort of way. Now, Philly, on the other hand. Do you still have doubts about them? I mean. No, no, it's not that. It's just that they haven't played that type of schedule. Yeah. Where they have those. So they're going to have a tough test this week against Jacksonville. I think it's it's a mental test, too. Guys, for both teams. Every, the players this week will determine, obviously, who wins the game. But. I do believe that all of the mental gymnastics that's going on about the coaching and Doug Peterson and Sirianni and maybe they might underestimate Jacksonville a little bit. I think a lot will be told this week. Now we got to get to the ugly and or the bad, or they might be one and the same. Let's call it the good, the bad slash ugly. And then the power rankings, of course, in our, in the uh, segment number three, but you know, we, I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to talk about teams that wear black, the Raiders and the Steelers. We'll do it in just a second here on Wednesday on Locked on NFL. First, we got to tell you about our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free, drop, a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. 
Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? I'm on LinkedIn. Tony's on LinkedIn. We're all on LinkedIn around here. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And terms and conditions also apply here with us. You better tune in every single day here on Locked on NFL. Make us your first listen. I'm Tony Wiggins along with Lauren Cox. We're going to talk about what has been bad and ugly. I'm going to go with, uh, it's easy to go with the Raiders, but we'll talk about them in a second. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh, man, because Pittsburgh, just like new England, much like new England, because they have a hall of fame coach and they always seem to, to get everything right and push their buttons. I think they're missing the mark here with Mitchell Trubisky. Um, I don't think he can get it done. Now I'm not ready to, of course, this is right up your alley. You can go ahead and go in on this a little bit. But <laughs> yeah. but the thing is with me is when you look at – this is why numbers don't tell the whole story. The other night when he played against Cleveland, they praised Jacoby Brissett, had him on set after the game is over with, and they praised him for his, his poise and the way that they played because those guys won the game. He had one more completion – and only two more attempts and about the same amount of yards as Mitchell Trubisky. So when you look at Trubisky's statistics, they look like the guy who was just getting praised. But if you watch the game, you totally saw something else. And it looks like he is the flat out difference why they can't win these games other than the one that they won in Cincinnati, which they also were supposed to lose. So it doesn't look good for Pittsburgh right now. Yeah, it's the kind of thing where it's like, you don't want to just throw Kenny Pickett out there early just because Mitch isn't isn't great. I mean, ideally, I think they want to give Kenny as much time to watch from the sideline and not just force him in there and have him be in maybe not the ideal situation just yet for a rookie quarterback. And certainly, I, I can empathize with Steelers fans as much as anybody about the Mitchell Trubisky experience. Like, I, I'm not here to trash the guy by any means, but y- you know what you're getting, I think, at this point. And a year on the bench in Buffalo certainly seemed to do a lot for his reputation. I mean, the Steelers paid him more than I thought he was going to get at this stage in the process, but he's not, you know, he's not a, a a difference maker just, just yet at the quarterback position. He's not adept at, you know, reading coverages and, and being that perfect sort of smart, accurate quarterback at all times. We know he's mobile. We know he's got some arm strength, but we know there's also some, some limitations there. And certainly he wasn't coached, super, super well in Chicago and didn't always have the best supporting cast of, of receivers and offensive linemen in Chicago. But like he's a guy that we saw can get you to the playoffs if you have a really good team around him. But the Steelers are not a really good team around him just yet. They have some receivers. They have some running backs. But they're still, I think, in this transition, right, from sort of the, the heydays of the Mike Tomlin era and that defense is still sort of finding its new identity. And, and with Ben Roethlisberger in the rearview mirror now, it's – it's definitely a work in progress at that front. And I know Steelers fans aren't super thrilled with their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, and feel like the play calling isn't great, but I, I can promise that even the best play calling in the world can't 
fully make up for all of Mitch Trubisky's shortcomings, but I do think better play calling could at least give the team or leave the team feeling like they have a little bit of a better chance to win and feel like you can, you know, you can roll him out. You can use his mobility, his arm strength to a little bit more of your advantage and get, get something better than we've seen thus far for Pittsburgh. But I just don't think it's quite all going to come together in the way they want, but at least they have that long-term hope sitting there on the bench for them in that first round pick. It's very hard for me to criticize guys like Belichick and, and Tomlin because of, you know, the esteem that I hold them in. And, and it's very, very hard for me to do that. Um, but it does seem like sometimes you have to figure out a new way of doing things. I mean, Mike McCarthy has a Super Bowl too, right? And we're, <laughs> and, and we're all over him all the time. And yeah. now they've sort of pulled a rabbit out of their hat. The defense is lights out down in Dallas. And now he has a quarterback that I think restricts him from making mistakes because he doesn't trust them enough. So there's an example of a guy who's adapted and they've actually won because maybe uh, Mike had to calm it down a little bit and change the way that he was trying to attack. And I hope that Tomlin gets that done too. But you think about, you think about the Raiders and you think about Josh McDaniels failed as a, uh, coach the first time because he had too much power i think in denver took the coach job after he hired his assistants and then changed his mind and went back to new england you think he's just waiting for the perfect opportunity and he gets a job with the raiders where rich Bisakia had them in the playoffs last year after the whole john gruden thing and then you give him this checkbook and he adds Devonte adams and adds chandler jones and you're like the raiders are going to be very very good and now they're 0-3, and his body language the other day on the sideline, and they were already talking about him having one-on-one meetings before the presser after the game with Mark Davis. Could this have gone any worse for Josh McDaniels? Yeah, I, it doesn't. It certainly doesn't seem like it, right? You look at the teams they lost to, then it's not like it's jumping out at you as like three teams that have been great to start the season. Like we all thought the Chargers, Cardinals, and Titans would be better than they are, but like none of them have been as good as we thought they would be. And it's like, you look across the board of the chargers. It's like, okay, Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, Devonta Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, that offense should be great. And they're, I think they're technically considered, you know, top 10 in scoring right now, but they haven't scored more than 23 in a game. It's not like they're absolutely lighting opponents up and they bring in a defensive coordinator like Patrick Graham, who's had success in his coaching tenure, I mean, it was with the Giants for a couple seasons and had some things rolling there. And I think he'd been with the Giants early in his career, but part of that Belichick defense for a long time in, in the, that early sort of 2010s, it was like, okay, he seems to know what he's doing too, at least coming into Las Vegas. And I, I don't have good answers for exactly why things haven't gone the way they have. It just feels like it's enough of the little things that sort of add up along the way. And the margin for error can be so small in the NFL. And of course, organizationally the Raiders have had a lot going on a lot of turnover in the front office even you know like above the general manager there's been some weird sort of like off-field stuff going on with that team and you'd like to think that things will get easier for them at some point but you know Broncos and Chiefs are the next two games on their schedule and they play in a very tough division like that and it's 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 hard to see some kind of miraculous turnaround just yet but you don't want to write off the whole McDaniels regime although are we all a little bit poisoned from the last McDaniels regime and saying, uh Oh, here we go again. Or is, is that not fair to him? I, I don't know. I'm a little torn on them. I'm a little torn on them too, man, but it's just, for me, it's it, this whole thing of, um, because he's, he's, he was recycled because it's his second time around. 
I'm I'm just weary. I'm super weary over what it looks like, the optics, and 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 that body language that he that I saw the other day. And you see Devontae Adams sitting there. The thing that alarms me is I saw them get close to the goal line the other day. They didn't even look his way. <laughs> they spent a yeah. hundred and what forty some odd million dollars on him, and they were throwing. Now they scored a touchdown by the game. He's number ten for Oakland, whoever that is. They scored the touchdown throwing to him, but they were forcing the ball to guys like Keelan Cole, the wide receiver who caught the touchdown, and Darren Waller. Matt they Collins. weren't even, Matt Collins, yeah, they, and he's a good player by the way. Yes. But you paid a hundred and forty million dollars for this other dude, and you're not even looking his way. And Derek Carr knows him. That's the thing. It's like, are you outsmarting yourself? Are you sitting here trying to uh, use him as a decoy? That's an expensive damn decoy. And now they're 0-3. And I'm sure at some point people are going to say, what are you doing with Devontae Adams? Well, you know, it's funny because, like, you call this the the good, the bad, slash, ugly. And, like, as, as bad as as the, the Raiders and, and the Steelers have been, like, if you, you want to talk about ugly, like, both, I think of two teams, the Bears and the Denver Broncos, as teams that are are, are two and one and just ugly. Like you talk about spending all that money on Devonte Adams. I mean, we could talk about Russell Wilson. I know we don't have a lot of time to just to dive back into those teams, but like there's been ugly in, in teams that have been winning in that process as well, and spending all that money and not getting a lot of what they spent for on a head coach and on a quarterback there. And it it just feels like usually it's like week one has all the weird things happen, and then by week two and week three, we've kind of shaken things out and have a better. Right. Of who's good and who's not, and yet we're at week three right now. The Bears are tied for first. The Broncos are tied for first, and we're, we're not sure that either of those teams are particularly great. The Browns are tied for first without Deshaun Watson. I mean, it's it's been such a weird first three weeks of the season, and ugly has been able to win if you're able to at least sort of hang on and be resilient through that ugliness. Ugly has won, especially in Denver. They won three games, and and uh, they haven't scored. No, they won two games, but they haven't scored over sixteen points. I don't believe so. That that's terrible, and you know what? I'm gonna be the first to say it. Russ looks like he's lost a step or two. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He does not look like the same guy. We're gonna talk power rankings. All of these teams we just mentioned. We'll do it in just a second here on Locked On NFL on a Wednesday. You- All right, let's get these power rankings up while me and Lauren sit here and go over them. I'll name the first five, and we'll talk about whether there's any surprises or not. The Eagles are number one. No surprise since a lot of other people lost. The Bills, this is wild. The Bills sit there at number two over the Dolphins at number three, and they just lost to the Dolphins on Sunday. So I guess wins and losses don't matter when you do polls. We'll go number four is the Kansas City Chiefs, even though they lost against the Colts. And then number five is the Baltimore Ravens. Lauren, just for the sake of this, I would have to reverse the Dolphins and the Bills just because – I'm just kind of petty that way, and I just believe things have to be settled on the field. I'd also put the Ravens right behind the Dolphins because they lost that wild game to them. I can't leave the Chiefs sitting there at number four knowing they lost to the coach who got blanked by the Jaguars just a week earlier. No, I, I feel very similarly that like that, that Colts team had no business beating the Kansas City Chiefs. And I mean, I understand keeping them still near the top because we all believe, you know, come playoffs or whatever, the Kansas City is going to be able to figure it out. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, they're going to win games when you get to that stretch of the season. But it feels to me like, yes, it was a big move up for the Ravens. I think they're up nine spots in our locked on power rankings. But I, but I almost feel like they should still be higher when you have Lamar Jackson playing so well. I mean, he when he leads the league in passing yards and he's in the top five in rushing yards individually, 
you know, Rashad Bateman for them has been so good at receiver. Mark, Mark Andrews at tight end. Like they look like a fairly well-rounded team. Their defense has transitioned really well outside of the, the Wink Martindale era. It's a different style of defense, but they're still being, they're still able to hang into those games and, and keep Lamar in that where he can still do the kind of things that Lamar does without feeling like you have to fall, you know, behind or just single-handedly sort of pass your team back. He can still be that dual threat. And I feel like, Kansas City sort of has to, like, not that Patrick Mahomes has to reprove anything, but in this post Tyreek Hill era, I, I have, I do have some questions about how well that team is still kind of coming together. And maybe by season's end, there'll be a clear cut top three team in the NFL. But right now, they're still figuring things out. Well, I feel like the Dolphins and, and the Ravens as well are really firing on all cylinders. Let's run uh, six through 15. The Packers at six, Bucks at seven, Rams at eight, Chargers are still at nine, and they have lost two games. The Bengals at 10. The Vikings are 11th. The Browns are 12th. The 49ers are 13th. The Jaguars are 14th. And the Cleveland Browns are 15th. A surprise here for me right now would be the Chargers with two losses and the Bengals with two losses, I believe, still hanging around the – well, the Chargers with two losses. Still, you know, the Bengals also have two. They lost to Dallas and Pittsburgh. So mm-hmm. two losses, people still believing in them. And I guess they're looking at quality of opponents. But it's hard for me to put teams like that ahead of teams like the Vikings and as bad and as ugly as the Broncos are. You know, you still have to win the games on the field. Any, any conversation you want to have about 6 through 15? Well, it just feels like once you get after about, I guess, about the Rams at 8, yeah, it feels, it feels like a crapshoot from there. Like, I still think the Rams are pretty good. We don't know about Stafford's elbow long term, but for now, like the Rams are pretty good. Those top eight teams all feel like the real sort of Super Bowl contenders at this point. And from there, do we know if the Chargers are good? I mean, we know Justin Herbert's good. Do we know if the Chargers? Well, Justin Herbert's hurt, but do we know? We do we know if the Chargers are good? The Bengals looked terrible through the first couple of games. I, mm-hmm. Ten feels a little high for them. The Vikings. Always crap the bet on on prime time, so I don't know if I don't know if I believe in them as great just yet. They beat the Lions and then a weird sort of week one Packers team, but I, I don't think the Broncos are that good. I don't think the 49ers are all that good, and then it's like Jaguars and and Browns. Like I I love what I've seen from the Jaguars so far, but when it when push comes to shove and it's really like go time, do we do we fully trust them as like a team that knows how to win yet, or just a team that has found ways to win? So far, and all, and all of this is going to make for, I think, some really interesting pushes for, for wild card playoff spots down the line. Let's run through the back end. Let's go with the Cardinals. 17 is the Saints. 18 are the Cowboys, who I might argue need to be a little bit higher because of the way they're playing defense. Yeah. The Lions are 19th. The Colts are 20th. The Titans are 21st. Here's our surprises. The Patriots are 22nd. The Steelers are 23rd. The Giants are 3-0. and no, they're two and one because two they lost one. to Dallas. Right. Yeah. They're they're two and one and they're at 24. The Raiders are 25. The Falcons 26. Your Bears are 27. And they're two and one. The Commanders are 28th. Panthers 29th. Jets 30th. Seahawks 31. And the Texans are 32. The Texans being there doesn't surprise me. Um, the Jets and the Jaguars were two teams, in my opinion, that sort of mirrored each other because they were picking one and two just last year and then the jets had 
uh, some success last year, a little bit if you look at it. They won some games they weren't supposed to. And then they go out in the offseason and they have a really good draft with all of these first-round picks. They have another round of free agency, and now they're still just as bad as they were last year. So when you look at those teams, the Jaguars have definitely separated themselves from the teams in the back. No, 100%. I think the name association is slowly going to change with a team like the Jaguars. That We instantly just think, oh, Jaguars, bad, but they're clearly they clearly belong outside of this tier of like the bottom third of the NFL. Certainly the Chicago bears are just happy to be there at 27th at, at two and one, but beating a team like the Texans should absolutely push them down. I was, I was wondering like the Seahawks, they, I feel like they've shown me enough with Geno Smith that not that I'm putting any them anywhere near to the playoffs just yet, but 31 feels a, a little, a little, a little bit. Yeah. That's a little low when the jets have, you know, Joe Flacco and, and yeah, they've been able to do some things, but it's, it's Joe Flacco or the Panthers with, Baker are still a little bit rough around the edges in Washington with, I mean, even the, even the bears, I mean, I don't know, head to head, the bears and the Seahawks. I, I, I'm not sure exactly how, how confident I would be in Chicago in that matchup. So it feels like they're down there and, and a big jump up for the Atlanta Falcons that have some kind of offense with Marcus Mariota, not a playoff offense, but some kind of offense that has Jaguars fans looking like, okay, maybe the foundational pieces around the quarterback position are there. If they're eventually going to have to make, a transition to a new quarterback Desmond Ritter in there that maybe there's a little bit of a something there, but I'll certainly a lot of, a lot of red arrows pointing down on our power ranking sheet for sure. No doubt. I want to hear more about this and listen to the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. That's where you get more because Brian Peacock is great at what he does. And Matt Williamson is too. He's a former NFL scout and they give you a perspective that you can't get everywhere. So make that your next listen and your second listen on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts on all platforms. It is also free. And please like and subscribe them on YouTube as well. Lauren, it's been fun, man. I appreciate you joining us in lieu of James traveling. And uh, thank you for your well wishes that you gave me off air about the hurricane too i hope we're gonna we're gonna say that it's wednesday this is the day the hurricane's supposed to hit some spots in florida we hope everybody is safe you guys take care of each other and have that spirit that we always have whenever there's a natural disaster we seem to come together and uh take care of each other so enjoy this podcast and also stay safe for you all and your families until next time here on locked on nfl take care